So the message this evening is not meant to scare anyone, but I'm sure the, the subject matter will strike a little bit of fear in people's hearts. And there's a reason for that. And it's not natural. The people who rule this world are part of a Luciferian globalist agenda where their mystical, secret, Gnostic-type religion goes all the way back to the Tower of Babel. So you have the, the Luciferians, the Illuminati, and the Illuminati is just a big umbrella term for a lot of other little groups that are underneath it, and they want to put up a front like they're all united, but really they're very fractured, very fragmented. And these groups that fall under the umbrella of the Illuminati are all jockeying and fighting for position for rulership of this world. You have the Masons, and the Masons are broken down into the Scottish Rite, into all these other different factions. You have, you know, the Rosicrucians, the Knights Templar, um, you have uh, the Theosophic religions, you have the Vril Society and the Thule Society and Skull and Bones, and you've got all these subgroups, and they're all fighting. And they work on the principle of black magic and white magic. Now, sometimes you call them black hats and white hats after the old Western spaghetti westerns, because all the bad guys wore black hats and all the good guys wore white hats. But the black hats, their goal is to bring scarcity through fear to bring the entire world under subjection and slavery to them to where you have the one percent elitist that has everything and they're just doling out what they think the people need so they can give and take at will and leave us in thraldom and servitude then you have the white hats who are kind of more friendly these white hats are the trumps of the world they want to rule the world through abundance they think that they can get the world to submit to them better through abundance. So in, in a way, you know, it, it's like the wings of a bird. The left wing and the right wing, it doesn't matter. It's the wings of the same bird. So politically speaking, you have the, the left wing and the right wing, the liberals and, and the conservatives, the Democrats and the Republicans. It's both the same wings of the same bird. It's white magic and black magic. And, if, and, and we, we, we are kind of forced to choose the lesser of two evils. So it doesn't matter. I, and, and you know, there's a lot of Christians and sincere Christians that get into politics wanting to make a difference. And if they're not corrupt when they enter, they'll usually become corrupt before they leave. Um, a lot of people that are in politics come from political families, and these political families come from very prestigious ruling bloodlines. You know, a lot of them can trace their lineage back to the kings of Europe and the kings of France and the king of uh, Ireland and all these different places in Britain. And so, you know, but this world is not our home. And if you remember the first century church, they didn't worry about voting. And I'm not saying don't vote. I'm not saying not get involved because we got to do whatever we can to kind of keep this evil at bay. But ultimately, they were looking for the kingdom that's coming. They were looking for the return of the Lord. They weren't so concerned about who was sitting on the throne in Rome. And you had a lot of wackadoodles. Nero, Nero is the one who beheaded the Apostle Paul. Nero was so crazy that he appointed his horse to the Senate. His horse had a Senate seat. 
You had Domitian, who was another persecutor of the Christians. So you had a lot of craziness going on. And we, the Western world, we are modeled after Roman society. I mean, you see a lot of our, our um, you know, uh, uh, buildings and statutes and obelisks and things like this, and it harkens back to Rome and harkens back to the Roman gods. Uh, there's a lot of occultism in, in the politics and the way things are laid out. If you look at Washington, D.C. and the way the streets are laid out, it's laid out in a pentagram. You've got a, you've got a phallus symbol, which is the Washington Monument, and then you have the dome, which represents the womb. So it's it's very mystical, very magical, very, you know, but they want to put off this, you know, civilized, scientific, logical front. But really, most people that are in politics are occultists. So we have the conspiracy theorist commentators that are looking at things that are happening and not saying that they're prophets. They just read the writing on the wall and try to make predictions of what possibly could happen. You have the conspiracy theorists. You have political analysts. You have theologians. And the majority of the voices are saying that possibly this spring there's going to be another pandemic, another scamdemic. Therefore, there's going to be another lockdown. Now, since that's being said, they may say, oh, you think you, we, you know what we're going to do. Well, we're not going to do that. And maybe just talking about it will put a stop to them doing it. You know, because it's like, oh, well, we proved you wrong. So we don't know. So these things that I'm suggestion, suggesting, I can't say with any certainty. I can't say with any surety. Um, this is all speculation, but the speculation is based on trends and things that have happened in the past and what they're seeing and the chatter and talk that's behind closed doors. So there's there may be a possible, um, you know, something else, another outbreak of something else. And all that is to produce fear. Because the way that the evil machine is fueled is through our emotions. It's just like a dog. If you're afraid of a dog, the dog's going to know you're afraid of it. And the dog's going to act aggressive because it knows you're afraid. And it's the same thing with the evil realm. If you are fearful or if you're angry, it doesn't matter. It's going to fuel the same magic. It's going to fuel the same fallen machine, so to speak. So they try to, that's why, that's why I suggest don't even watch the news. Because I know when I watch the news, I either got mad or scared. That's usually what happened when I watch the news. And that's what they want. And half the stuff they talk about doesn't happen. But they're doing it to elicit an emotion that they can harness spiritually and use for their purposes to further their agenda. And I know how ooby-dooby crazy this sounds, but I'm telling you, the political system works on these occultic principles from these secret societies, most of which are sitting in seats of, of office and seats of power. The vast majority are Freemasons, or the vast majority are, you know, are part of the Illuminati or come from prestigious bloodline families. Mm -hmm. And so... That's why I, I said what I'm talking about would likely elicit fear because it's almost as if there's a spiritual magic spell upon subject matters like this because the goal is to elicit fear. So remember, when you feel the fear rising up within you because we're talking about these things, remember, that's not of God. 
Remember, that's probably not you feeling that fear, but it's a spirit of fear trying to work its way in you and influence you to become fearful about the subject matter. So not only is there a possible spring pandemic or scamdemic coming, but they're, they're also talking about the possible collapse of the, of, the, of the dollar, that this spring or this summer, the dollar is going to collapse. And when that does, that's going to be the perfect opportunity for another lockdown, for another time of scarcity from one to three months to where they're changing things around so they can set things up for this digital dollar. So all these wars and conflicts, the war in Israel was planned. It was an inside job, just like 9-11. Uh, the, the war in the Ukraine. All this is to bankrupt the countries. So all the money will be given and funneled to these corrupt politicians, these corrupt countries to bankrupt, you know, all these like, you know, during, during COVID, the, the, the handouts during COVID, half of that you had to pay back, yeah. but it was all to try to bankrupt. And people are even asking me, well, you know, you're entitled to it. Why don't you get it? I said, I don't want a government handout. I don't need the government's money because it comes with strings attached. So I refused it. So they're, they're wanting to collapse the economic system so that they could go to this digital dollar. Now, when this digital dollar does come in place, nothing's really going to change because we're halfway there already. Whenever you use a credit card, you're using digital currency in a sense. But the problem is there's, no, there's, no there's not going to be any more private transactions. Everything that you buy is going to be traced. They will know when you buy a pack of bubble gum, when you buy a pack of toilet paper, they'll know if you paid somebody for something. And that the privacy issue is the most disturbing thing about the digital dollar. Not, not that it's a cashless society, but we know that's all, that's all preparing us for the mark of the beast because a cashless society, digital dollar, next step is the mark of the beast. So nothing's really gonna change. It's just that we're not gonna have physical, tangible money that we can privately, you know, so it means that, you know, unless you have an app on your phone to receive digital currency, no more yard sales, no more um, giving to homeless people out on the street, people that are in need, that need a couple bucks in their pocket. So those people are going to be in much more dire strait than they are now. So, you know, I know that's a fearful thing about the digital dollar, but really not much is going to change. It's just we're not going to have the physical, tangible stuff. It's all going to be electronic, and our privacy at that point is going to be gone. So, basically, this is setting things up for a great reset, for the great reset that they're talking about. You will own nothing and be happy. The World Economic Forum, Charles Schwab, and all that garbage. And it's also going to um, head towards, um, you know, this one-world religion. Now, another thing that could possibly happen that they have been setting us up for ever since we popped out of the womb, media has been telling us that there's aliens out there. I mean, ever since, you know, the 50s onward, there's been alien movies, aliens coming to Earth, invading Earth, yada, yada, yada. Remember in the 80s, that miniseries V and all this kind of stuff. Well... The government has denied it up until the last few years. Oh, no, there's no such thing as UFOs. Oh, no, aliens don't exist. Well, all of a sudden, these naval videos of these planes chasing the Tic Tacs 
And they're saying, oh, well, yeah, after all, they are real. It's genuine. We don't know what it is. It's a real UFO, unidentified flying object. Now they're going so far as to saying aliens are real. Some of them are saying we've been in contact with them all along, yada, yada. We know that these so-called aliens didn't come from another planet or another galaxy. At best, they came from another dimension, and they're nothing but demonic entities or fallen angelic entities disguised as aliens. And they're going to probably come during a time when there's another scamdemic or when there's an economic collapse or when there's we're on the verge of world war. And they're going to come and say, it's okay. We're here with the solutions. Just trust us. We're here to help. And that hasn't that been the message of a lot of contactees, people who've claimed they've been abducted? Oh, they say that there are space brothers. They say that they're going to help us and da 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 and then you have these crazy people on the History Channel, the ancient aliens, you know, all this kind of stuff. It's all preparing us for the Antichrist. Because the church has not dealt with the issue of aliens and the issue of the paranormal and supernatural and haven't given solid biblical explanations for these things. When these things actually come and happen, they're going to see these aliens and say the Bible's not true. Where does it talk about that? Nobody's ever showed them. And when they have these aliens come, they're going to say, oh, the, you know, people of lukewarm faith that are Christians in name only are going to apostatize and fall away from the faith when the, when, when the full alien disclosure happens. And when the rapture doesn't happen, when people think it's going to happen, you're going to even have more people lose their faith. Well, I thought the Lord was going to come before it got too bad. Oh, Yeah. Well, how come the Lord didn't rapture those in North Korea out that believe? How come the Lord hasn't come and raptured those in China who believe, that are under persecution, that are being tortured, that are being executed, that are being imprisoned for their faith? So there's going to be a possible spring lockdown pandemic and a possible collapse of the dollar, and that will initiate the digital currency. So having said all that, as a believer, how are we to respond to this? Oh, oh no! That's the way, right? Nope. No. Be like we are right now. Yeah, you got to be cool and calm as a cucumber because 1 Timothy 1.7 says that God has not given us the spirit of fear. Fear is a spirit. It's not just an emotion, not this kick instinct, fight or flight. It's a spirit. He has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power which means we have the ability to do something. We have the ability, you know, to some extent to regulate and control things to a certain degree. Power of love. Love casts out all fear, another scripture says. Mm -hmm. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. When you're afraid, you don't have a sound mind. When you're afraid, you're not thinking logically. You're in panic mode and you make stupid, dumb, boneheaded mistakes. And that's exactly what the devil wants. That's exactly what the enemy wants. A sound mind, meaning I'm not going to go insane because insanity is not of God. Insanity is another one of those evil spirits that try to take over. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. The only way we can obtain a sound mind is by immersing ourselves in the word of God. When we immerse ourselves in the Word of God, it's going to give us a sound mind because it's going to give us confidence. Because we're going to know what to do because we know what the Word of God says. So I'm going to try to equip you tonight for when these things do come. And if it doesn't come 
you know, this year, it's going to be next year or the year after because their goal is by 2025 to have everything under a new world order. And we're just a, over a year away from that. At the latest, 2030. At the latest. So, in John chapter 14, I'm going to be flipping and turning a lot. So, try to keep up with me. If not, just sit back and listen. So, in John chapter 14, verses 15 through 18. God will not leave us comfortless. Because when we talk about these things, it can be disconcerting. It can be very uncomfortable, and it can be a little bit scary. Because the first thing is, what do we do? What do we do? What are we going to do? Well, in John 14, 15 and 18, he tells us he won't leave us comfortless, and he won't allow us to be trapped in a web of lies. So in John 14, 15 through 18 says this, I will not leave you comfortless. This, this comfortless means I won't leave you as orphans. That's what it means in the Greek. I won't leave you as orphans. I'm your heavenly father and I'm not going anywhere. The Lord is basically saying, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Yet a little while and the world sees me no more. Well, actually I read, I got, let me jump back up to 15. I read the last verse first. He says, if you love me, keep my commandments. So how do you prove you love your spouse? By keeping the wedding vows. That's how you prove you love your spouse. If we are the bride of Christ, we prove we love God by keeping his commandments. So he says, if you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth. That's who the comforter is, and that's his job, is truth. When you know the truth, you're going to be comforted because you know the truth. You know, I was, recently I was, I, I was having this mysterious pain in the back of my neck. And every time I would swallow, it would feel like somebody's putting a cigarette out on my neck. And it would come back and go, it would come and go, come and go, come and, and I didn't know what it was. And I, w I, was, I wasn't comforted because I didn't know the truth about my condition. And then the Lord, through a friend, said, look at a reflexology chart and see if you can't find and pinpoint the pain. Well, as soon as I looked at a body chart, it was right there. It was the only place. It was kind of all by itself. And I was able to find out why I was having that pain, and I was taking care of it. I knew the truth at that point, why this pain was happening, and I knew what to do about it. I knew the truth about it. Therefore, I was greatly comforted. It was like a weight was lifted off my shoulders because I knew the truth about this mysterious condition. That truth brought me comfort. And so it says here, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive. Why can the world not receive the spirit of truth? Because they are living under a lie. They're living under the lie of public education, of the science that we're supposed to trust, right? Under the lie that the politicians spew out every time they open their mouth. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world can't receive because it sees him not neither knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and shall be in you. And then verse 18, I will not leave you comfortless. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. So he will not leave us comfortless or trapped in a web of lies. The word of God says, 
that when you know the truth, the truth will set you free, and you will be free indeed. Secondly, he won't leave us out of the loop. If you're left out of the loop, it's nobody's fault but your own because the answers are in the Word of God. You don't read the Word of God, you will be out of the loop. And this is what the Lord says about that in John 15, just the next chapter over, starting at verse 14. This is what he's saying to his disciples, and it applies to us. He says, you are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. Hereafter, I call you not servants, for the servant knows what his Lord does. It's none of the servant's business what the master does. He just has to be there to serve the master whenever he whistles or claps his hand or rings a bell or says, come here. But that no longer applies to us, even though we're his servants, we're more than his servants. Hereafter, I call you not servants, for the servant knows not what his Lord does, but I call you friends. For all things that I have heard of my Father, I have made known to you. So the Father is omniscient, meaning he knows everything. He tells his Son, and his Son tells us. And the Holy Spirit confirms that truth because he's our comforter and the spirit of truth. But I have called you friends for all things that I have heard of my father, I have made known to you. So he won't leave us out of the loop. As long as we stay in, in his word and stay connected to his Holy Spirit, we're going to know what we need to know. Now, most of what we need to know, we've already had a sermon series on that on our Tuesday nights, and it was the series on Matthew 24. Matthew 24, what to expect in the end times. It's all spelled out right there. If you read it, it's almost like a, a newspaper or a movie script, and you can go down Matthew 24 and say, yep, that's happened. Yep, that's happened. Yep, that's happened. Oh, this still has to happen. So Matthew 24 is, is just a very Cliff Notes version of pretty much everything that you need to know. Matthew 24, he gives us a heads up on virtually everything that will and is currently happening. But let's just uh, kind of pigeonhole something here in Matthew 24, and we'll just read uh, a few verses. Matthew 24, starting at verse 22. And this should bring you comfort as well. And except those days should be shortened. What days? The days of the tribulation. The days of hard times, the days of Jacob's trouble, the days where God says, you've never seen a time like this, nor will there ever be a time like this ever again. Except those days should be shortened. There should no flesh be saved. What is the plans of the globalists to depopulate the world? Basically to kill us all, to starve us out, to vaccinate us out of existence, to freeze us out, whatever. Whatever they're going to do, and they're going to make an excuse and say, well, trust the science. because yeah. <laughs> So he says, and except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved. But for the elect's sake, the elect means those that are chosen, those who have, have accepted the Lord. It also specifically means Israel. But it says, but for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. It's going to get bad, but not so bad that we can't take it. Not so bad that we can't stand it. Right? We've, we've been pampered in this life. I mean, if I lived back in my grandparents' day, in my great-grandparents' day, I probably couldn't hack it. I don't have the calluses or the chops for it. But, you know, because we've been so pampered. I never had to go to a river and beat my clothes against a rock. 
I never had to, you know, um, yeah, go to 40 degree weather. That's right. (laughs) Now have used outhouses because my grandma went to a church that still, that still didn't have indoor plumbing. So I know how to use an outhouse, but yeah, there's a lot of things that they did. They were tough as nails. And here we have all these modern conveniences of refrigerators and, and, and washing machines and ovens, things like this. Getting off track here. Um, Except the days should be shortened, no flesh shall be saved, but for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. Then if any man shall say to you, Lo, here is Christ, or there, believe it not. For there shall arise false Christs and false prophets, and shall gr- and show great signs and wonders. Which means, some of them can perform miracles. Some of them can perform signs and wonders that you can't explain or understand, and it may seem, oh, well, because they perform a miracle, they must be Christ. No, it's not. If any man shall say to you, lo, here is Christ, or there, believe it not. For there shall arise false Christ, and false prophets shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch they're going to be so good at these signs and wonders, they're going to be so convincing that if it were possible, they would deceive the very elect. So if you call yourself a believer, get your nose in this word as much and as frequently and as deeply as you can because that's the only way that you're going to not be deceived. Because this book right here is the only source of truth. The only source of truth. You can't trust the newspapers. You can't trust the science books. Because they, the, the, the science changes ever so many decades because they discover new things or they were wrong about this or whatever. This is the only source of truth. Everything else is suspect. Everything else is a lie. I'm a human being. I can even lie to you, even without meaning to or wanting to. And Paul knew that. So he told the Bereans, hey, these guys are smart. They check what I say through the word of God. So this is your filter. Filter everything through this. And it says in uh, verse 25, Behold, I have told you before. So here, Jesus is saying, I'm giving you a heads up of everything that's going to happen. So don't say, I didn't warn you. There's no reason or excuse for you being deceived. The only reason and excuse is your ignorance and lack of discipline of being in the word. Behold, I have told you before. Verse 26. um, Yeah, it says, Wherefore, if if they shall say to you, Behold, he is in the desert. Go not forth. Behold, he is in the secret chamber. Believe it not. Um, So the really bad stuff is only going to be a short period before he returns and comes to rescue his bride. And in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, he's basically telling us that he won't give us more than we can handle. and, And I mean, the only way that our faith is strengthened is when it's tested. In other words, when we're under pressure, that's the only way that our faith's going to grow. The only way that my muscles are going to grow is if I exhaust them by working out. And once I feel that burn and, and, I, and, my, and my, my muscles are so shaky, I can't hardly lift the barbell. That's when I know that some good's happening. That's, that stress on my muscles builds my muscles and makes me stronger. Stress and pressure in this life, if you use it right, is going to make you spiritually stronger. It's going to increase your faith. But 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says he will not give us more than we can handle. I can probably bench press 100 pounds. I can't bench press 400. The Lord's going to give me maybe 
105 pounds because he knows I still got a little bit more in me, he's not going to give me 400 pounds to lift. He knows I can't deal with that. So we're going to have to go through some bad stuff, but he's going to come and return for his bride. Yes. Right. God is faithful. He will not tempt you above that you are able, but will with no, provide sorry. a way of escape. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. She she quoted that verse. She got it. I don't know why, but that verse is stuck in my mind for years. So the biggest thing is that when this stuff happens, when there's another lockdown, when there's a shortage of toilet paper and you know bread and milk in the stores. Uh, we wonder, well, how are we going to survive? What are we going to do? Well, the Lord told us in Matthew chapter 6. He basically said, don't worry, God will provide. He promised to do that. In Matthew chapter 6, verses twenty, uh, starting with verse 24. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You can't serve God in money. Therefore, I say to you, Take no thought for your life. In other words, don't worry. Easier said than done. I know I've been there. But he says, take no thought. In other words, don't be anxious for your life. Oh no, what shall we eat? Oh no, what are we going to drink? Neither for your body what you shall put on. What are we going to wear? Is not life more than meat and the body more than raiment, more than clothing? There's more to life. Then eating and dressing and sleeping, life is much deeper and richer than that. Those are just outward basic things that we need. Verse 26 says, Behold, the fowls of the air, for they do not sow, they do not reap. I mean, I, I, I've seen birds eat seed, but I've never seen a bird plant a seed. And if it did, i never seen it return to reap what it planted. Behold, the fowls of the air, for they do not sow, neither do they reap, nor do they gather into barns. They're not even like squirrels. Like, I feed the birds almost every day. And you, they eat it up instantly, or they get a mouthful and fly it back to the nest for their family, and it's gone. They don't store up. And, you know, I'm sure that the blue jays that come to my bird feeder are, are not in their nests at nighttime thinking, Oh, no, dear. We're in trouble. We just ate the last morsel of bread that that kind human being gave us. I wonder what we're going to do tomorrow. They don't know. The birds don't worry about that. They, 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 don't, they take no thought. Behold the fowls of the air, for they do not sow, neither do they reap nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much better than they? Are you not more valuable than they are? Did Jesus come and die on the cross for a blue jay? No. no. Jesus didn't come to die for birds. He came to die for us. So we are way more important than the birds. And that, just a side note, that's another trick of the enemy. Oh, let's kill the babies in the womb, but we got to save the whales. we got to save the endangered species. But forget about that bum on the street. He's just a he, he's just a dreg of society. He's just bleeding our economy dry. It's better if he dies. Or, oh, you can't handle it? Thanks for serving our country in Vietnam. And you can't handle it? Well, here, here's a little cocktail. You won't wake up. You'll be much better for it. Trust me. 
you know, or, oh, and I'm playing pregnancy. Okay, well, let's just get rid of it. I'm not ready to be a father. I'm not ready to be a mother, but save the whales. Save the trees, too. I'm not saying that those things aren't important, but we are much more important than they. The Lord created the animals and the trees and the environment for us, not us to serve them. I'm not here to serve a whale. I'm not here to hug a tree. I'm here to chop down a tree if I need it and put it in my furnace to cook my food and keep my house warm if I need to. I'm here to have a dog to guard my house if I need to. Those things were created for my benefit. I wasn't created for their benefit. I don't serve them. They serve me. Because we are the pinnacle of God's creation. Uh, again, behold the fowls of the earth, for they do not sow, for they sow not, neither do they reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more better than they? Or which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit to a stature? I've wasted so much time thinking about, oh no, what am I going to do? How am I going to solve this problem? And I spend days with headaches and stomach aches trying to figure something out, and no solution ever comes because my mind's not in the right place. Worrying has not done me any good. It's not solved one problem or given me one solution. It just creates more fear and more worry. It just births more worry. It begets more worry. So which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit to your stature? And why take you thought for your clothes, for your raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They don't toil and they don't spin. In other words, they don't make their own clothing. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, Shall he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Where Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things. The Lord knows that you need these things. But seek for, here's the key of getting what you need. Here's the key to God's provision. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Where are we going to find the kingdom of God and his righteousness? In this book right here. That's where we're going to find his kingdom and his righteousness. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things, what things? Everything that you need, your food, your clothing, your shelter, all the things that Gentiles worry about and seek. All these things shall be added to you. So that's the key to provision, God's provision. Not necessarily asking for it or begging for it, but seeking him first in everything you say and do. And he already knows your needs. He's going to automatically provide them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow. For tomorrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient is the day, uh, is the evil thereof. You've already got enough to worry about in this 24-hour period that we're in right now. You don't need to think about the 24-hour period tomorrow. You've got enough to on your plate now. So the, basically, that's what, that's what he's saying here. So don't worry. God will provide. He promised. So also, uh, let, me, let me also add to that. Uh, let me take. Let me find this real quick. 
in Luke, you don't have to turn there, but in Luke chapter 21, uh, starting at verse 26, I'll just read a few verses. Luke 21, 26. Men's heart shall fail them for fear. Now, what did I say that the powers that be are trying to elicit out, out of us? Two emotions, either fear or anger, preferably fear. And when they do their sacrifices, whatever, whoever they're sacrificing, they're trying to elicit the most fear in that sacrifice before they kill it because it produces the more anachrome that they can harvest because that's, that's the wicked, cruel, weird stuff that they do. So it talks about the end times, and these are men that don't know the Lord. Men's hearts shall, shall fail, uh, men's hearts failing them for fear, and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth. For the powers of heaven shall be shaken. So literally, people are going to be scared to death. Literally. Kind of saw that in the 1920s in the great stock market crash. Men were jumping out of windows. Killing themselves. They, they were literally scared to death. They jumped out and they, men's hearts shall fail them for fear and looking after those things which are coming on the earth. How do they know the things that are coming on the earth? Because they hear it on the news, right? Because they hear it at the water cooler or on the internet. Don't pay attention to any of that mass media stuff. It's just a bunch of fear mongering lies is all it is. I have not watched the secular news in probably a decade and I'm, I'm better for it. And I'm not ill. I'm not uninformed. I know exactly what's going on. I hear it all the time, and I have Christian news sources if I really want to dig into something and know what's happening. And then they shall see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. So the Lord, he's coming back to rescue his bride. We just got to hang in there. And when these things begin to come to pass... In other words, right now, when these things begin to come to pass, the fearful things that are coming on the earth, says, then look up and lift up your heads, for your redemption draws near. In other words, be in expectation of his coming. Look forward to his coming. Even so, come quickly, Lord. Get in the habit of saying. That's a little passage I've just forgotten, kind of left out. So, I, I, I was God will, will comfort us. He will not leave us out of the loop. We will not be deceived by a, a web of lies. He told us everything that's going to happen beforehand. The bad stuff we, we're going to have to go through is going to be is not going to be more than we can stand or bear. We're not to worry because God's going to provide. And so here's some other passages that I'll just breeze through really quickly. Because um, there's power in the word. I know I read a lot of verses, but uh, the scriptures are better than me talking. So... Um, I'm going to read to you in Isaiah chapter 41, a few verses. Isaiah 41, starting with verse 10. Fear you not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, yea, I will help you. Yea, I will uphold you with the right hand of my righteousness. What is the right hand of God's righteousness? Jesus Christ, Yeshua the Messiah. Behold. All they that were incensed against you shall be ashamed and confounded. Oh, the world's going to hell in a handbasket because all those crazy Christians, all those crazy religious nut jobs. We used to be Christian nations. Not anymore. They've turned against us. 
But he says, behold, all that they were incensed against you. How dare you speak against the LBGTQ movement? You're a hater. You're not a lover. How dare you speak against a woman's choice to choose? Behold, all that they were incensed against you shall be ashamed and confounded. They're the ones who are going to be confused, not us. I'm clear-headed. I'm not woke, but I'm awake. They shall be as nothing, and they that strive with you shall perish. Um, going on, you shall seek them and shall not find them. Even them that contend with you, they that war against you shall be as nothing and as a thing of naught. For I am the Lord your God will hold your right hand, say to you, fear not, I will help you. So that should be a very encouraging passage right there. Yeah. And Psalm 55 Hope you don't mind me taking my time through these passages. In Psalm 55, verse 22, it says, Cast your burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain you. So if you want sustenance, oh Lord, I can't take it, I can't survive. Well, then let go of what you're holding on to. Ah, my hand's stuck in the cookie jar, I can't get it out. Well, let go of the cookies, dummy. Yes. Then your hand will come right out. <laughs> cast your burden upon the Lord. Cast. It, cast is kind of like that word when you want to throw something away from you because you don't want it. You don't like it. You want to get it away as quick and as fast and as far as possible. Cast your burden. Burden is something that weighs you down, that worries you, that makes you tired and weak. Cast your burden upon the Lord and he shall sustain you. He shall never, he shall never allow the righteous to be moved. God is a God who cannot lie. We either believe his word or we don't. We trust him or we don't. That's on us, not on him. And in uh, Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, be careful, or other translation says anxious. Be anxious for nothing. Oh, I'm going to pay my light bill. Nope, don't worry about it. There's no more food in my fridge. Where am my meal going to come? Nope, don't worry about it. Oh, I just ripped my last pair of pants. Where am I going to get clean? No, don't worry about it. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, in everything. Does, does God, will God answer your prayer if you need toilet paper? Is that too trivial to ask God for? No. No. You know what? Zilla told me today that she's been praying that, Lord, I need a new hairbrush. And without even knowing it, Pam got her a hairbrush because she needed it. So, does the Lord care if you need a hairbrush? Yeah, He cares about everything in your life. Because it says right here, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, everything by prayer and supplication. Supplication means you're asking. By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Don't just say, gimme, gimme, gimme. We got to be thankful too when we get, get, get. So, there's an attitude of gratitude. So be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests, now a request doesn't mean that he's going to say yes. Sometimes he'll say no, or sometimes he'll say wait. So it's a request. It doesn't automatically mean that you're going to get what you're asking for, but it says let your request be made known to God. And then it goes on to say, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding. There's been times in my life 
where I had such a peace and I'm like, you know what? My life's crazy right now. There's things that are going on that I can't explain. I got problems. I don't know how they're going to be solved, but strange, I should be like flipping out right now. I should be climbing the walls and going nuts, but strangely, I feel peace and I don't understand it. I have a peace that I don't understand. This is what it's talking about. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, logically, according to the world, I should be worried. Logically, according to the world, I should be just going nuts right now. But the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. That's what the devil wants. The battleground is your heart and mind. If he can get you angry or fearful about what's coming, he's won. You've lost. So the peace of God will keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I have no power in and of myself to keep my mind peaceful, to keep my heart peaceful. Without him, I probably would be doing drugs or getting drunk to escape or to self-medicate. But because I've got the Holy Spirit of God in me, I have Jesus Christ living within me. I don't need that. That's enough to keep my heart and mind in peace. Not in pieces, but in peace. Okay. Now, going back to Luke. Um, yes. Kind of oh, uh, Philippians 4, okay. 6 through 7. Last one is Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Now, Luke chapter 11, and we've, I mean, you've heard this passage. If you grew up in church, you pretty much heard it all your life. And translations don't really capture the full meaning of this. But in Luke chapter 11, starting with verse 9, it says, And I say to you, ask. Well, does that Greek word really mean ask? Yes. But it means keep asking. I say to you, keep asking and it shall be given you. Keep on seeking, and you shall find. Keep on knocking, and it shall be open to you. Ever since the Big Bang Theory, I think of that knock, and it shall be open to you. I think of Sheldon, who goes to Penny's door, and Penny, 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 Penny. Does she open the door? All the time, every time she opens the door. When Sheldon knocks and says, Penny, 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 she'll open the door. So with the Lord, it says, keep knocking and it shall be opened unto you. Um, we're going to go on all the way to verse 13. For everyone that keeps, asks, keeps asking receives, and he that keeps seeking finds. Now, uh, before service here, uh, Doug was looking for his cup, and he couldn't find it. But you know what? He kept seeking, and did you find it? It's right there, sitting next to you. He found it because he kept seeking. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and to him that knocks it shall be opened. This is how good God is. If a son asks for bread from one of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? No. Or if he asks for a fish, will he give, uh, will he give for a fish a serpent? No. If he shall ask for an egg, will he give him a scorpion? No, of course not. These are ridiculous questions. Verse 13, if you then, being evil, because we're all evil, because we're all born into sin, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? Now, we give our, some, we, sometimes we spoil our kids. We're too good at giving gifts to them, that stuff that they don't need, and then they feel entitled. But here, God says, if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask of him? Amen. All we've got to do is keep asking. Now, God will also give us, 
if we ask wisdom. Because in these times that are coming, we need wisdom. Yes. How can you know how to do something if you've never done it before? How do you know how to go through something if you've never gone through it before? You know, there's experiential wisdom and experiential knowledge, but how do you get wisdom and knowledge in things you haven't gone through or experienced? Well, Yeshua's brother, James, tells us in the first chapter of his letter to the believers, he says in James chapter 1, starting with verse 5, If any of you, any of you, lack wisdom, let him ask of God that gives to all men liberally. If you ask for wisdom, he's not going to just give you a little smidgen. He's going to give you a lot. He's going to give you more than you need. He's going to give you a surplus. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God that gives to all men liberally and upbraids or reproaches not. You know, so if you say, God, please give me wisdom. How dare you ask me for wisdom? Who are you to ask me for wisdom? No, it says he won't do that. He won't scold you or upbraid you or reproach you for asking for wisdom. He'll be glad that you asked him for wisdom. Solomon could have got anything he wanted. He could have gotten all the horses from Egypt he wanted, all the latest chariot model chariots he wanted. He could have had all the gold in the world, all the jewels and diamonds. He could have had anything he wanted. God said, whatever you ask, I'll give you. He could have had it all. But what did he ask for? Wisdom. And God says, you dummy, why did you ask for wisdom? No. He was so glad that Solomon asked for wisdom. He says, you know what? Since you asked for, you could have asked for this, you could have asked for that. But because you asked for wisdom, I'm going to give you all this other stuff you didn't even ask for. I'm going to give it to you anyway because you asked for wisdom. That's how much God wants us to ask him for wisdom. And James is really trying to drive this home here. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God that gives to all men liberally and upbraids not, and it shall be given to you. doesn't say he might. He could give it to you. He may give it. No, he says he will give it to you if you ask for wisdom. But here's the key. If you don't get it, it's your fault because he says, let him ask in faith. Faith is believing, knowing that you know that you know. No doubts whatsoever. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavers is like the wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not the man think that he shall receive anything from the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. An unstable, uh, a double-minded person is unstable in all that they do. So the Lord wants us to ask for wisdom. Now, we will know what is coming when we need to know it? Don't worry about watching the media. If you do watch the media, whatever they say, believe the opposite. Yeah, exactly. yeah. It's just like the bills they pass in legislation. Whatever the name of the bill is, you think, oh, it's supposed to do this. No, just assume it's going to be the opposite of what the bill says. So we will know what is coming when we need to know it. Now, the children of Israel, I mean, when the Exodus, it, it, I mean, they could have planned for a long time and knew for a long time when they were going to leave. But no, the Lord said at the last minute or about midnight, you guys are getting to get, get, get out of here. It was on a need to know basis. We will know what is coming when we need to know it. Also, we will know what to do. We will know what to do when we need to know when to do it. He will supply all our needs when we need it. 
Now, I don't know if you've ever read the life of George Mueller. George Mueller was this German fella, and he lived a pretty riotous life. He was a drunk and a womanizer, and the Lord got a hold of his heart, and he became um, a, a guy that ran an orphanage. And you can imagine caring for 30, 40, 50 children. You're going to need more than one box of cereal, right? Some, some mornings, if you read his biography, some mornings, the children were sitting there at the breakfast table with an empty bowl and silverware. And George Mueller is like, Lord, it's breakfast time. Lord, you know that these children need to eat. And before he gets done praying, there's a knock at the door, and here comes the baker with a big bunch of bread for the kids. He said that happened over and over and over. God is never late. He's sometimes early, but he's always on time. He's always on time. So he will supply our needs when we truly need it. So when we come to that point where we're in another scam pandemic, when we're in another lockdown, and there's a shortage of everything, and we can't go anywhere or do anything. What about doctors? What, what, what about doctors? Well, this is what Exodus 15.26 says. In Exodus chapter 15, verse 26. And the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea. Well, that's not the passage that I... Oh, I was reading the chapter before. Here, here, here's my discalcula kicking in. Okay, here we go. And I say, if you diligently hearken, in other words, listen and do what you hear, if you diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord your God and will do that which is right in his sight. How do you know what's right? It tells you in the word of God. That's right. If you will diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord and do what is right in his sight, and will give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes. If you do that, this is what he says. I will put none of the diseases on you, which I have put upon the Egyptians. If you obey God's word, he tells us how to eat. He tells us how to take care of ourselves. He tells us how to live right. He says, if you do what I say, I will put none of the diseases on you that I put upon the Egyptians. Autopsies were done on Egyptian remains and mummies, and the three big killers are the same three big killers in the Western world. Diabetes, stroke, and heart attack. Or no, diabetes, heart attack, and cancer. I'm sorry. Diabetes, heart attack, and cancer. I will put none of the diseases which I have brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that heals you. I am the Lord that heals you. What about doctors? I'm going to Dr. Jesus. So what else does it say? Okay, you said, well, 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 brother, brother Chris, that, that's Old Testament. Well, great, I got a New Testament passage for you if you want to go that route. I don't see why you have to pick and choose between old and new. It's one book. It's never been done away with. It's all the same stuff. But in James chapter 1, he tells us what to do when somebody gets sick. James chapter 1, starting with, uh, no, James chapter 5. James chapter 5, starting with verse 14. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let him pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord shall raise him up. 
and if he have committed any sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. We've actually had people that were anointed in our little congregation, prayed over, and they were healed. It works. It's all about our faith. So what do you do when there's no doctors? If you follow his word, you, the Lord said, I won't put any diseases on you. I put on the Egyptians. And if you do get sick, call for the elders of the church, get anointed and prayed over. There's also a really good book called When There's No Doctor. When There Is No Doctor. Also, you know, if you... If you remember all the old home remedies of your of your grandparents, those work too. God did not give us Zantac and 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 uh, acetaminophen and ibuprofen and and all these fancy drugs with these big names I can't even pronounce. He didn't give us that. That's pharmacia. That's pharmacy. And it does more harm than good because there's more side effects. Now I'm not saying that don't take any aspirin or anything like that. I you know, but I always take the natural route before I have to resort to a man-made medicine, if at all. So I could have, I could have done something, you know, I could have went to um, the man-made medicine for that mysterious pain in the back of my neck. Most likely it would have just masked the symptom, but whatever was causing it would still be there. But I found out about it naturally and was able to take care of it naturally. So those old home remedies are nothing to be sneezed at. Okay, so what about provisions? What about when the stores are empty? What about... You know, when people are trying to, to, to break in and steal what you have and, and all these things. What, what do we do about provisions? The Lord said, take no thought of those things. Take no thought. Don't worry about food, clothing, and shelter. Life is much more than food, clothing, and shelter. But it says in Acts chapter 2, starting with verse 42. And they continued steadfast in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and breaking of bread. And in prayers the first century believers was a community they they depended on each other they helped each other out and they continued steadfast in the Apostles doctrine and fellowship and in breaking bread and in prayers and uh, let's see where am I at here okay and and fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done by the Apostles I've said for over two years or more now that we're coming up on a time where it's going to be like the first century church and we're going to have to depend on miracles because we won't have access to the things that we used to have access to. We're going to have to depend on each other and depend upon miracles from God. It is. And fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together and they had all things in common. So basically, if you need to mow your lawn and your lawnmower's broke, my lawnmower's your lawnmower. Mikasa sukasa, right? Whatever I have, you can have. It says, and they believed and were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as everybody had need. Didn't Jesus say, if you have two coats, give one to the other guy? Yes. You can only wear one at a time, right? Yep. And they continually daily in one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. Everybody shared their meals. And did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. So there you go. Provisions. I'm looking at my provisions right now. You're looking at your provision right now. 
So what do I suggest you do? Well, and when that time comes, we're also going to have to, because the digital dollar, we're going to have to go back to a trading and barter system. Maybe, you know, trading and bartering, uh, uh, service for goods, things like this, things the way it was done way back then. So plant, plant your own gardens if you can, hunt if you can, can what you grow, dehydrate the meat that you get. You know, so there's old ways like that. And every time you go to a grocery store, buy a couple little extra cans, maybe one extra can of canned fruit, one extra can of soup, one extra can of vegetables, one extra can of potted meat. Every time you go to the grocery store and put it back. Don't worry about the friggin' date that's on it because whatever the date is, I'm sure 10 years from now, that'll still be good unless it got dented or something like that. That's just another wasteful ploy and lie of this world to try to get you to throw away perfectly good food. So just slowly stock up on things. Now, when COVID happened and everybody was, oh, no, toilet paper, toilet paper. We didn't worry about that because, you know, when Pam buys toilet paper, when it's on sale. And if you buy it every time it's on sale, it's like it's it's like an item. It's like you're going to use it. It's not like you're going to waste and it it's gonna keep. and it's going to keep. <laughs> yeah. So we had plenty of toilet paper when all this craziness I was going on. Yes, exactly. When you buy it on sale, even if you don't need it, you're going to use it, stock up on it. So that's just a practical way of doing it. So when all this comes, number one, do not fear because do not give your emotions to fuel their evil magic. Don't fear and do not comply. That's just, if everybody would get it in their head, it's as simple as that. If everybody would just say, no, we're done with this game. No, we're done with this. There's not a blessed thing they can do about it. If everybody said, no, we're not doing this again. We know what this rodeo is like. We don't like it. And this is what I've been saying also for the past couple of years. Prepare like Noah, stand like Daniel, and expect to be provided for like Elijah. It's as simple as that. So I know I didn't talk a whole lot about the next pandemic, the next lockdown or the digital dollar, but that's not what this is about. What this is about is how we're going to get through it. And I just told you how we're going to get through it. All right, let's go ahead and close with a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you that your ans that all the answers to our problems and our inquiries and our questions and the things that we're concerned about is all in your word. You didn't leave anything out. Everything's in there that we need to know. We just got to scour it and study it and absorb it and eat it and read it daily. So, Father, we ask that you would build our faith, expel the spirit of fear, help us to keep our eyes on you, to seek first your kingdom and your righteousness, knowing that through that our needs will be provided for and knowing that we're family and that we're going to be depending upon each other when these times come. We're not going to be afraid. Matthew 24 told us it was going to happen. Revelation told us these things are going to happen. It's not like we're going to be surprised, but people are going to be freaked out, not because of just the things that are happening, but they're saying, how can you stay so calm? How can you be so, you know, live so joyfully in this? Well, this is like a living hell. This is like a dystopia. This is like the apocalypse. Well, it's, I don't care what's going on. It's, it's about what I know in my heart. It's about who I serve. That's why I can have confidence and boldness and live fearlessly. So, Lord, we're not looking forward. I mean, we'd be lying if we said we're looking forward to what's coming, but we know it is. But what I am looking forward to is how our faith is going to be increased, how we're going to see your miracles and provision, 
how we're going to see that the power and the authority we have through Yeshua's name and blood is just going to be doing astounding things in this time. So, Lord, we thank you and we praise you because we know that your return is very soon. Lord, we love you, we praise you, and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.